Hello, everybody. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the world and the future. Um, so, it's kind of probably biting off more than I can chew, but um, I'm just going to chew it really, like, you know, keep my mouth open, chew it in a really gross, loud, messy manner. It's probably going to be off-putting um, to the more uh, delicate sensibilities. But... Um, I hope you'll uh, take it in the spirit of, uh, I don't know, exploration. And I uh, hope you'll uh, humor me um, as we uh, go through it. But, um, yeah, I think, like, I'm really interested in the way, you know, there's all these problems in the world. And that's interesting enough, let's be honest. Kind of like a, you know, it's a guilty pleasure, like how messed up the world is. Like, oh, it's so interesting. Like, the best movie of all time. It's has you on the edge of your seat. But I think what's even more interesting, but kind of maybe gets a bit overlooked sometimes, is like what exactly do we want? Like what, what's the good world? What does that look like? Um, if we could have everything we wanted, what would we want for the future, you know? Um, so that's, I think it's really interesting. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that. I would love it if you do me a favor and um, if you think, if you disagree with me about something, then let me know so I could think about it and maybe learn something. Really appreciate that. Or if you have um, something which I don't mention uh, in mind, yeah, please let me know. That would be really cool. Um, so we're going to go like, you know, ecologically, um, economically, culturally, um, all kinds of stuff, uh, technology. Um, and specifically, I'm going to get into a bunch of things you might not be aware of about the nature, true nature of problems and solutions. As far as I'm aware, obviously, I don't, you know, this is just to the best of my ability to tell what's going on. Um, so, like, you know, for example, climate change or, like, um, war around the world or, like, um, you know, viruses and, like, health problems and stuff um, or cultural problems, values, what, you know, or is it, is it fundamentalist religion the biggest problem we face or is it fundamentalist atheism or, you know, kind of just touching on these things. Um, and uh, so I'm going to kind of try to, I guess, just mention things kind of briefly to get the overall idea. And you could just think about it and go, oh, yeah, you know, interesting, you know, um, and then go into more, probably circle back and go into more detail. But to kick things off. Imagine there's no heaven. Thank you. 
old-fashioned politicians weren't corrupt and all your doctors were reading enough imagine all the up or where to begin good lord the future the world um well i would i'm just going to go really kind of simple at first as i said so technology is amazing um it's wonderful to have technology but i think basically a world where we're more balanced with the technology so it's not like oh, okay how can we use technology to solve our, our problems oh we'll put everyone into the matrix and then you know some smart people can control everyone's behavior and thoughts and feed them selective information like Google, literally Google senses information, certain things they don't want. You, you can look for, you can type extremely specifically, you can type the exact name of the author in the article and it'll be, if it's anywhere, it's like 500 pages in. You won't find it. Then you go DuckDuckGo or something, or Brave maybe, um, some other you know more independent search engine and you type it and it's there you could even type it quite vaguely and it pops up immediately top of the list um so 
you know, that that's one thing where like, you know, there's a lot of people who think, oh, we know best. So we're going to use technology to kind of mold people into being more intelligent. It's like, well, how do you know you know best? History teaches, you know, actually we, we need a, um, it takes a tribe to raise, um, or a village to raise a child and uh, we're all kind of children and it takes the village. It takes, um, many different perspectives to figure out what's going on. Um, and we're often right about some things wrong about others. So, but anyway, that's only one example of censorship and information, but like, you know, should kids, little, little children be on phones? I don't think so. I think that's way too addictive. They're not ready for that. Like, um, a lot of adults aren't seemingly too ready for it. Um, but, but then there's people who would say, oh, you know, we need to get rid of all the technology. It's all bad. Or, you know, you know, uh, people maybe who are like hardcore environmentalists being like, oh, we need to get rid of dismantle capitalism and industrial civilization. It's a cancer. It's like, no, it's not. That's extreme as well. There's a middle way as old mate Buddha here will tell you, Siddhartha Gautama, there is a middle way, my friends. That's what we're going to talk about here, basically. Middle way in all these different aspects. Um, so, yeah, I think the future, like say 100 years from now, um, it would be um, amazing if we have this technology, but it's not at the expense of our humanity. It's augmenting our um, humanity. We're in an augmented reality, not a virtual reality, you know. Um, so we're basically grounded in our humanity and, you know, it's all about relationships and personal development and consciousness, you know. Take a deep breath, go put, walk on the grass with your bare feet, um, go meet someone, go talk to someone, go learn something, go read a book, um, go move your body, go play a game. Um, there's all these things that don't involve technology and they're far more enjoyable and far more important if you take them away, you know. Like you cause as much more problems than if you take away our technology, so that they're actually more important and more rewarding anyway. And so I think that's got to be the main thing. But then the icing on the cake is this technology, which is incredible. I love icing, but do I want to have just icing, like a bowl of icing and a tiny bit of cake? No, I don't, and neither do you. So I make I would say yeah, technology keep it in balance. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to have a, no thank you, Elon. I don't want a thing in my head that's, you know, emitting EMFs, which cause cancer, as far as um, I can tell. What was that guy's name? A scientist, Nick um, Fabro, Nick Reno, like A-O-U-L-T, something like that. Um, uh, there's, there's some scientist who's saying, hey, this is crazy, no one, talking about it but this is science there's facts for this it's like one of these things that you know maybe isn't comfortable to think about so it's not getting too much attention um and uh so but yeah so we could go on and on but yeah so technology is amazing or like with food you know like oh gmo you know um yeah i mean like if we can edit things in some ways that can be great or you know but like say the vaccines like gene editing you know all the vaccines everyone's been kind of um, bullied into getting a lot of people. Um, some people wanted to get them. Most people, it seems, were coerced and then didn't. Maybe some people felt it was too scary to really think that they were being coerced, so they'd rather say that, no, it just makes sense. It's a blue. But basically, you know, it was like, oh, you can't work if you don't do this. And so people were like, well, I want my job, my career. Okay, fine. But um, they're like gene editing. Like it's, um, it's not like a, it's not actually a vaccine, it's a gene um, therapy. Um, it's different to the traditional definition of vaccines. There's never been one like that before. So it's actually um, altering the way your body works. So I'd say that's called what we would would have traditionally called up until five minutes ago, playing God. 
and I don't think that's a good idea. Um, so, you know, like, unless it's like, you know, really well studied, but it's like, oh, we've, we'll do this, we've been working this technology, and now we're making some new one version using this technology. The technology itself is not very old anyway, but there's some research on it, but then we're going to make these new vaccines, and yeah, we try them for like a f literally a few months, um, and then on a small group of people, and there's no independent oversight of these things, and there's a lot of money and a lot of political influence and pressure, and anyway, it's connected to this centralization of political power, which is what political systems always want to do throughout history. And so the whole COVID thing, you have this, you know, monstrous kind of like um, collusion of these big entities trying to force people to have this medical procedure. Now, apart from the thing that's not such a pretty picture, the situation of how it happened, like the thing itself is just, I think, like that's technology where that could be a beautiful thing, gene editing, if it's done properly, but we need to find balance. You know, you can't just be like injecting stuff in everyone. What if it's not good or too late? You've done, given it to everyone. Um, and so, yeah. Um, or, um, yeah, GMO food. Like, well, if, if, the, if we can have ones which aren't, we can be sure that it's not going to give people cancer or something down the line because there are many examples of these things happening where we thought we were improving one thing, but it turns out there's a... a price to be paid um so just being cautious you know when a tribe is going through the forest and they've never eaten a food before they get one person to kind of smell it does it seem okay if it seems okay okay maybe you know rub it between your fingers okay wait a bit does it feel okay you know rashes okay taste it a tiny bit put it on your tongue are you okay chew it a tiny bit are you okay they gradually move up until they're like okay i think this is fine and then, oh, no, no problems. Okay, we can start, you know, everyone can start eating these things. Um, so just gradually being careful with, you know, if we're you know, doing GMO, like totally putting the DNA from a frog into like wheat or something, um, that might be useful in terms of expanding um, agriculture um, but and maybe helping people avoid starvation. But if it's not necessary to do that, which it seems like that's actually not necessary because this regenerative agriculture another branch of science is finding that actually just by working with nature um, you can actually have incredible results even better results I think than GMO so okay we don't need to go down that you know kind of risky Icarus playing God kind of path you know um, so like basically um, say um, Korean natural farming or just regenerative agriculture it's like you just have a lot more trees on the land um, and you uh, you don't till the soil too deeply and you know you have the cows a bunch of like um Permaculture, you have a bunch of different animals, the cows poop, the chickens eat bugs out of the poop, you know, and then they're laying eggs and the eggshells go into the ground once you've used them or whatever. Da, da, da. Um, and you have, you move the cows around from this paddock to that paddock to that paddock and their um, poo is building up the soil and all the microorganisms in it. And so it's actually, um, you know, if you're worried about carbon, you know, then um, this is, uh, it absorbs carbon dioxide and um it, so it's positive carbon positive right um and uh but more importantly i think because i think the evidence for co2 is actually um a bit murky uh, what's actually going on there it's not very clear and very politicized unfortunately but um but definitely it's very good for the soil and building up the microorganisms there where so and the stronger the soils the fewer pesticides you need to protect the plants you basically need no pesticides with really good organic farming um because the plants themselves are master chemists. They can't move, but the way that they prevent people from eating them is releasing stuff like caffeine, which, you know, disorients ants and they don't, they're like drunk and they can't eat anymore. Um, or 
putting up um, things that taste really bitter. And so they don't, they're kind of poisoning the bugs and the bugs don't want it anymore. Um, so they're like chemists. That's how they protect themselves. Or that's why, you know, you need to, if you're eating certain beans and seeds and stuff, it's better to soak them because um, in vinegar or salt or um, lemon juice or things like that, maybe not salt, but, um, and traditionally we would do that. Like these days people are like, ah, it's fine. But um, if you do that, it's better for you because you're removing off um, some of these um, outer, these chemicals which are protecting the thing from predation, from little insects. Um, uh, so that anyway, so these plants, if they have good soil, they're much more able to produce such defensive chemicals. And they're basically they're making their own natural pesticides. And so we don't need... So that's one example where modern, modern science, technology and science have realized, oh, we can just kind of organize things and, you know, and set things up so that um, the powers of nature work with us um, and we work with by us working with them. And um, you don't need GMO. You can just, you can expand farmland by um, just planting um, crops properly. And what happens is when you have more um, plants on the soil, um, when it rains, the rain gets sucked up by the plants and it goes up the plant, right? Um, you know, the... The roots, I guess, um, goes up through the plant and then evaporates through the plant rather than um, evaporating um, just straight from the, the ground. And um, this is all explained in the documentary Kiss the Ground, which is really amazing. Uh, I think it's like free for, if, if you've got certain subscriptions or it's like $1 or whatever to watch, but I highly recommend that. Um, and, um, and they talk about how you can have this good you know, positive feedback loop where you... Um, the more plants you have on the on the ground, then the more rainfall is absorbed, and gets the more that um, it gets evaporated into the air more somehow. I think, um, and so it increases humidity, um, and then um, that causes more rain, which causes more plants to grow, which causes more rain to be absorbed, and then causes more. You know, so there's this positive feedback loop. But what we've been doing is reducing plant coverage on farming, just having these huge monoculture things. Um, and so that causes a vicious circle of decreasing rainfall. Then you need more and more fertilizers, more and more pesticides. So but we can get off that, which is also very good for these, the huge owners of petroleum around the world, et cetera, um, and, you know, whatever your Rockefellers or whoever they are. Um, I don't know these days, actually. And, you know, there's a lot of them, you know, seem to be just fine, but, like, um, does seem certain... Companies are heavily invested in certain things like, say, um, certain practices which don't really make sense and maybe wouldn't be so good in the future. One common theme here is that I think a lot of certain people will, will have to just sa take a sacrifice of like, okay, I, the industry has to change um, for, you know, planet before, you know, pla planet before um, um, yeah, profit, basically, before some individual's profit. Um, but then in balance, you know, not too crazy. Like we don't want to totally get rid of all this stuff. So that would be an example anyway of like technology and, you know, being used in farming where you can just set it up and, and science more particularly, just an understanding of how things work. And so, okay, we plant more trees. So with farming, I think the future of farming seems to be like, yes, you can have more intensive agriculture if like the Netherlands is second greatest exporter of agricultural produce in the world, even though the government's trying to kick off half the farmers from the land in a huge land grab, which is pretty disgraceful, as far as I can tell. Um, and um, not so chaselic, I must say. Uh, uh, kind of exact opposite. Uh, but um, 
So, but, um, so, you know, I've heard people say like, you know, like, you know, they're feeding so many people and some of the weight methods are kind of intensive. So I guess there's a balance there with you're feeding people. Um, and if it's, you know, your way, then, you know, uh, there's, I think it should be ideally voluntary, these changes, you know, rather than forcing people. But just kind of explaining like, yeah, you, it can be more beautiful. You have more trees on the land and that actually increases your productivity and your self-sufficiency. So if there was some global cl collapse, you wouldn't be in trouble if, oh, I can't get fertilizer from Russia um, or if there's a war and you can't get it. You're like, oh, I'm already, I don't really need that fertilizer because I'm practicing regenerative agriculture. So I think you know naturally people would move that way. If it makes sense, people won't need compulsion to do it. That should generally be the way forward, I think. Um, just spreading awareness and education and information and then people will naturally move in the right direction. Um, and the people who don't believe that tend to be very cynical, power-hungry <laughs> people who think that everyone's manipulating each other. But I don't think that's what most people are doing. Um, I think that's what 5% of people are doing who qualify as psychopaths, many of whom are quite normal. They're not like murdering people, but they just don't have empathy and they just try to manipulate people. Um, and then, yeah, so... In any case, so yeah, balance between, say, technology and just nature and humanity. Um, a similar thing might be, I would say, like, uh, um, uh, and I, I'm aware I just went in very in-depth there, so um, I guess I'll try to avoid that here. Okay, we'll just go the basic things, and then we'll go in-depth. Okay, so um, balance between um, urbanization and nature. So have cities, have towns, that's beautiful, but not like suburbs everywhere, not cutting down all the forests and like in Australia, like, yeah, let's go clear a bunch more land and build lifeless suburbs with no trees that, by the way, rate increase the temperature because of the heat, urban heat island effect where the concrete just um, absorbs the heat, whereas trees will kind of um, bounce them back. Is that how it works? Um, or is it the concrete bounces it back and then it causes... I can't remember. Um, but either way, like, uh, you know, cities are much hotter due to, like, they just, you know, bake in the sun. Um <coughs> Well, it seems like it would be better to have maybe a bit more being aware, like, yeah, ideally we really want to keep like green spaces. I think my idea would be, again, this is, I'll just talk about my opinion, you yeah? um, know. I feel like it would be amazing if, okay, there's some huge mega cities around, like huge, gigantic, oh, it's so interesting, so cool. Um, and then there's a bunch of, or around the planet, I mean. But then mostly cities are like, you know, they're, they're big, but they're not like gigantic. You know, there's these cities, you know, um, and then... Uh, you go down and there's, you know, towns and there's villages, but there's also an enormous amount all between them. There's green space, there's forests where people can hunt, um, there's um, farmland, there's just natural, you know, wilderness, where maybe where there's no hunting. Um, uh, there's, you know, just nature, um, but a balance between and those cities where, okay, why don't we just have use, in this area, we're going to build it up quite dense, uh, much denser, but then we're going to have a bunch of parks all around it. That'll be interesting. All these huge parks with trees right next to all these skyscrapers. That'll be cool. Or we could just have medium-sized skyscrapers. Well, why don't we just do that? You know, things like that. Kind of thinking: of how can we combine nature and um, urbanization more? It'd be cool. I think. Um, so oceans, clearing up the oceans, stopping commercial overfishing because the fish stocks are in a steep decline, and that basically needs to be stopped immediately. But a lot of countries aren't caring about the future and they're just uh, whatever making money now. I think China's I think probably the top culprit there, but many countries are doing it um, where they're just kind of got these dragnet fishing where they just go through the oceans and just 
pick up everything, you know, um, and then they're only eating, you know, using a small portion of those creatures that they're picking up. But they're just going through and just genociding all these sea creatures, leaving total dead zones in the ocean that take years and years to recover. It's just madness. Like the traditional ways of fishing should be returned to. Um, in, in huge industrial fishing like that should be allowed if it's sustainable. Um, if And I think we don't need to be, like for one thing, even if you make the argument, yeah, but to port, feed people, we need to do this. You know, we can't, which is a, a good point in certain cases where like the climate cult are kind of being like, oh, we need to shut everything down, increase the prices of energy. It's like, yeah, but you're going to kill like millions of poor people around the world. Doesn't matter. It's for the planet. It's like, you're a psychopath. <laughs> like that's not that's not okay. Um, but there is a balance. Like say, if we just collapse the fishing stocks, then how are those what are those poor people going to do when the fishing stocks are collapsed? So that that doesn't make sense. That's not acceptable. That's the wrong side of the line. Okay, so we need to just basically stop the the commercial huge scale commercial fishing and um, support the industry so they can you know people involved in it so they can shift to other activities. Um, or if it's sustainable, then keep it more like this is more likely. But even if, if it was necessary, just stop it. That's the you know planet ahead of profit. Doesn't make sense to have some short term profit if we're going to wipe out all these species. It's ridiculous, um, insane. So, um, but idea probably the case will be um, that you could have some you know more limited fishing, and you could have probably traditional fishing just as much as you want. You know, and actually a lot of traditional fishermen would be happy with that. I think. Because I believe in, say, in Newfoundland, traditional fisheries had a big problem where when Newfoundland joined Canada in like 1950-ish, um, uh, the federal government um, basically allowed all these international fishing companies, as I understand it, to just come in and start fishing in the waters just off the coast. And so then the fishing stocks nearer the coast where the traditional fishermen could reach with their boats just totally collapsed and it had a dev devastating effect. Um, and that leads to uh, an you know, snowball effect of cultural problems, you know, addiction problems, these kind of things. Um, and, you know, Newfoundland these days has a lot of oil money, but huge amounts of addiction problems, as I understand it. And I'd say it might, it's probably likely that that's connected to that, um, the collapse of that old way of life and the structures they were, you know, living through. But uh, anyway, so, you know, probably like, yeah, like more traditional fishing can be resurrected to some extent. Um, or continue and big one kind of chill it out all right um, plastic in the oceans um, helping the ocean clean up thing funding them this Boyan Slat guy who's out there cleaning up the Great Pacific garbage patch helping that um, but also you know we can't just keep doing that and then just go oh, okay now we can dump more plastic into the oceans I think in general we need to be moving away from plastic it takes more water a lot just the water alone never mind the oil but it takes more water to make a plastic bottle than the, that bottle contains, you know, when you're drinking out of it, like, you know, 500 mil bottle, it takes more than 500 mils of water to make that due to the industrial processes. So that just seems like a kind of crazy thing to do. Why don't we make them out of glass or why don't we make them out of hemp plastics made from hemp, which is a renewable, very sustainable crop, which is actually good for the soils and nourishes them and has all these other byproducts, you know, we can use the fiber from the stalk for clothing and construction. I would like to see hemp massively expanded, and not just because the dried flowers in the um, the form of hemp, the traditional form where the THC hasn't been bred out of it, um, the, the flowers, the marijuana, I think can be very useful for many people. Not everyone. Some people shouldn't do it, but they probably know who they are, uh, or someone in their circle should know who they are. But in general, I think most people would benefit from this at least sometimes in their life. 
because it opens up your mind, helps you see other perspectives. That's very useful. I think in the future, if that can be used responsibly and not, and again, it can't just, it's not a magic bullet because, you know, if you just use it, it's like a happiness button. You might um, let other parts of your life collapse or you get lazy with things, not because it makes you lazy, but because, oh, you get the happiness feeling. But you need to learn that, you know, you need to be doing things which are actually worthy of happiness and that that happiness button won't work forever and your life will fall apart if you're not taking keeping things in balance. Um, so, but, so the flower, that's a benefit of it. Um, but hemp, you know, you can use it for like uh, beauty products, um, soaps, um, uh, construction. Hempcrete is extremely good for building for many reasons. Um, clothing, it's very, very strong. Paper, um, we, we can be, you know, keeping our forests and just growing amounts. Um, hemp, we could have have much more um, green space um, uh, or and just, you know, sustainable forestry is great if you can do it where you're planting more trees than you're using or at least the same amount. But um, hemp is like four times more productive. You can grow it more often, frequently, and it produces larger yields. Um, and it's good for the soil. Um, the roots break up the soil and I think add, like, you can do bits you don't use, you just mix back into the soil. It's very good for it. Um, and, but... Uh, but yeah, we can be making plastics out of it. Um, and so um, that I'd say like that would be a great solution. Um, but then, you know, all the people who own the oil, who are making the bottles, they're going to maybe complain. So we need to try to articulate the vision, help everyone understand. One of the big key things I think is helping build up enough consciousness in yourself, in myself, in every individual. And then there's enough communities or families and communities thereof who are kind of at, have a certain threshold or critical mass of awareness and understanding, and then certain pa- practices just won't be possible anymore. Oh, the mayor of a town wants to build another factory for his buddy who's in the oil industry and you know wants to be making a plastics factory, um, but you know seventy percent of the people in the town understand the dynamic of we could just be growing hemp and this isn't you know plastic. You know, should be we should be using the oil for much you know for things we, where we need like some sort of stronger plastic that comes from oil or something. Maybe there's some uses where we need that, or you know, all kinds of things that where we need oil um, to run machines or for fuel or um, the, you know, n- not just plastics. I mean, there's all kinds of uses, I believe. Um, so yeah, and so though the, they won't be able to be mayor anymore if they're not getting to the, with a program of like, okay, well, everyone understands these things, all right. Um, and then from the bottom up, we can start to just, you know, you don't need to go with revolvers and have some revolution, get rid of all the quote unquote bad guys, you know, who are ruining the planet. It's just, no, they're doing what they think makes sense to them. And we don't need to wait for them to agree with us. If we can just make enough other people agree where they won't be able to operate in a market economy, they will have to adapt and compete. Um, so yeah, protect the ocean. So fertilizer runoff, we need to be careful with that, not to bleach the coral reefs with fertilizers from farming. Um, plastic in the oceans um, uh, and overfishing. Um, then, um, so I think with farming, like factory farming, I would like to see disappear. Like maybe to some extent it might be okay if it's like ethical for the animals. The, but in general, I think um, it seems like we don't need that Um and again, I wouldn't, I'd be reluctant to go past something saying this is forbidden, but I would say like certain practices, probably a basic standard should be in 
substantiated of like, yeah, cows, if they're seeing their buddies get their heads chopped off, you might think, oh, but cows don't have a soul. I mean, neither do I, I think, but, but whatever, you know, like um, they don't have a soul, everything's fine. But, or maybe I have one, but you know, they definitely don't. It's like, well, you know, I would say actually they do. Um, uh, all creatures, they're, they're all sentient. They all have the consciousness of the universal consciousness that flows through them. They know on some level what's going on. And anyway, if you're eating them just for selfish reasons, um, you're e even just to push for selfish reasons, if you're eating them, um, you will be getting like these bad vibrations and the cortisol, the adrenaline that's in them. And if they're unhappy in general, and they're kind of sick, they need more steroids and you know, vaccines against this and this. And it's like we can have them in nature and there'll be less interventions and you'll be healthier if you're eating them and they'll be happier. So I'd say, yeah, in general, getting animals onto pasture, which is good for the soil as well, good for the environment, building up the soils. Whereas, you know, factory farming's causes a lot of suffering for these animals, but also um, enormous, you know, use of energy, um, fuel, um, like water, um, space. Well, I mean, space, they're pretty efficient with space, actually. But, um, yeah, I think that's kind of, I would hope that we can just get a, um, get around that and not use that anymore, find other ways to get our food um, through regenerative agriculture and so on. Um, and, you know, and if we need it to some extent to feed people, then I would say, okay, well, then... I wouldn't say we should definitely just get burn it down and get rid of it. I'd say, okay, there's a balance there. And, and as long as we're making progress, um, two steps forward, one step back, that's fine. Even if, you know, we just need to be moving in the right direction. Um, so what else? Uh, I would say less corruption in governments. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to change my strategy. I think I, I, I'm going to forget all these things if I don't give details. So I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing anyway, despite what my mind thought we're doing which is kind of filling in, giving a few details as we go along for these things. So um, but I'll try to keep it pretty concise. Yeah, I think most, almost all the governments of the world are like corrupt. It's like you talk about a politician's answer. You know, you ask them a question and they, do, they, they don't answer it or they answer a different question. Imagine if your friend, you ask them a question about something important and they dodged it. Is that your friend or is that someone you need to get the hell away from? But the problem is you can't get the hell away from politicians because they've got their hands on the tax system and on the police force and the military and all the laws. And they can shut, as we've seen, they can just shut down the whole um, society for years at a time, um, leading to food shortages and supply chain problems and um, retardation of social development in um, a whole generation of children, COVID babies, where they didn't have interactions with other kids so they didn't get the feedback and their brains didn't develop as much and their social skills didn't develop as much um and now they're more anxious when people are around and they're not willing to leave their parents as much that's a real thing um uh and you know like the lockdowns you know so many things i talked about that previously but you know drug abuse skyrocketing domestic violence child abuse um sexual abuse um uh crime um just the health declining. Um, it's like, oh, don't go outside. You know, it's just so many insane things. Um, so, and there's in government, there's incompetence and there's corruption. You know, like there's some people who are doing a good job. Fair enough. You know, but like there are these big problems, and I think that the, these systems are way out of balance. And if we could fix them, I think that would fix a lot of these other problems. Because um, basically, if you can get the corruption and the incompetence out of um, politics then I think you could reset. It would be, become pretty clear pretty soon 
okay, either we need some sort of leaner version of a social welfare state um, where, okay, we provide certain benefits to people who need it. But in general, like, oh, um, we don't want to be involved in everyone's lives too much. We want to keep this to a minimum. Why does everyone have to pay so much tax? Why does everyone have to sign all these crazy forms if you just want to open a bakery? Can't you just start opening a bakery and sell food? And if you get someone sick, you're going to get in trouble anyway from the law or people aren't going to buy your stuff. Um, or maybe you have a thing where if there's enough, if people complain, then someone goes and checks you out. Um, and, but it's not like a routine thing. You have to be, oh, you have to be doing this due diligence and signing these forms and health and safety. And you need to have a lawyer and an accountant who you're spending money on to tell you what you need to do so you don't get sued. And like then, oh, but the amount of money it would take to pay for those people, I won't be able to make a profit. Okay, I just, I'll just keep working and stacking shelves instead of opening that super, um, that bakery. It's like, you know, there's things where I think there's many very simple things where if you notice the government, just the tentacles of government get in your way multiple times a day and it's incredibly frustrating and then you try to call them to sort it out and it's such an imbalanced asymmetrical relationship. You call them and they take forever to answer the call. If you can get through, half the time the people are very, are very unhelpful. You can't complain. There's no process for you know, fixing those problems. Um, the people can't get fired. They can be as lazy as they want. Whereas, so that would be one thing where I would say, personally, I would feel like, yeah, either a leaner social welfare state, like socialist capitalism, or leaning more towards like um, libertarianism, where like you've got a minimalist state. Um, it, we need, I'd say at this point, we can't have anarchy, anarchy yet. If we're more spiritually evolved, then I'd say eventually, yeah, we can st say 100 years from now, um, maybe we can start having that conversation, but um, where there's no government and everyone's just advanced enough that you know communities can regulate themselves and there's private security forces. Some people are just drawn to protecting others, and so you just have enough. There's enough, you know, 95% of the population is pretty chilled out and you know on point about things. And so if there are 5% who tend towards psychopathy um, get a bit out of line, then that gets snuffed out pretty quick. People go, "Hey, what are you doing? You're not allowed to do that." And, and so to get along, these people, if they, you know, they have to go with the flow. Um, and you don't, you know, so, but in the meantime, you'd have, you know, I think if you try to do that too soon, it would be just probably end in tribal warfare. Um, that would be my feeling. So um, I think, but moving towards that via like, okay, we need a state which has police, military, courts, bureaucracy, um, and, you know, legislature um, and a judiciary, right? Um so the very just basic stuff there, you know, um, and on top of that, and we agree, yeah, okay, that makes sense, right? And then on top of that, okay, well, maybe the government's going to be involved in transport and energy and, okay, but maybe we can kind of experiment with that and find ways to bring market forces in where, you know, because usually it's if you do well, you get rewarded. If you do badly, you get punished. People don't buy your product. And so monopolies don't tend to work very well. I think, oh, my friend Greg, he can do the transport system. Yay, market forces. We're privatizing. No. What about you get um, 50 different small co companies to do things and then the population can vote on the ones who rate them, how well they did. Um, and if they're not happy, but one of the other ones has got really high scores, then you and your neighborhood can go, yeah, yeah, hey, could you come here and do your tram, tram service in our city too? And then over time the ones who are more successful and doing a good job they start to expand and eventually maybe they just run everything but then if they're not doing so well some upstart can come in 
and start taking over. Ways where you can provide these public services through market forces, through decentralization and the, the market system. Um, I think there's like, whether it's pure libertarianism or it's some sort of more socialist capitalism, but with it, focusing it on just getting rid of all, like, again, the middle ground, getting rid of all these problems we have of where the, with these, the government takes a bunch of your, a third of your money with one hand and then it gives back a sixth of <laughs> your money with the other. It's like all these offices which have need, people need paychecks and they need, you know, work business, like work cars and they need, you know, the lights need to be on and there needs to be water and there needs to be food and coffee in the buildings and um, there's rent to be paid on these buildings and, or, you know, um, all, you know, the computers and the hardware and the supplies and the, you know, um, stationary. There's all these costs to government, um, which businesses have to be very careful with um, cause, or, or else they'll go bankrupt. But government doesn't need to. And so if we don't need to do things throughout history, there's like opponent processes, you know, we always needed to be efficient or else we were going to have a big problem. Then what happens if it, after mil millions of years of that, you go, okay, you know, you guys, you're going to be the government. Um, here's the situation. Um, use however many resources you need. It's like, do you think we're going to be careful after millions of years of needing, you know, there being a dire consequence if we didn't be efficient? I think probably we actually need that dire consequence. Otherwise, we're going to go out of balance. Just like, you know, I had four wisdom teeth removed because they said, well, we only need to remove these two, but the ones on the top, but the ones on the bottom, your top teeth are just going to keep plowing down because there's nothing pushing against them anymore. So you, they'll go through your lip eventually or your gum. So we need to get rid of all of them. Um, I didn't know about mewing, so I didn't have a choice there. Um, but uh, kind of look at looking into mewing now, M-E-W-I-N-G. Anyone with teeth problems? Apparently, this is a natural way of resetting your teeth by building up your jaw more. Um, so, uh, you know, people say, oh, it's not real. But again, vested interests say it's not real. It seems like there's a lot of before and after, like thousands of before and after videos and photos and reasons why it should work. But anyway... That's besides the point. Um, uh, and that is one thing. Okay, maybe it isn't so besides the point. In the future, I think um, being, uh, I would hope that a lot of these more um, alternative um, possibilities about like um, how, like for health and in general society or whatever, get more, but especially for health, there's so many where it seems there's money being made the way it is with the glasses industry. And it's like, well, actually there's a lot of evidence that glasses aren't so good for you. Maybe if you really need them, fine, but they're crutches. And there's a lot of people on crutches who, uh, their leg muscles, figuratively, are getting weaker. Their eyes are getting worse because they're on these, they're using glasses all the time when it's, no, there's ways to blink more, breathe deeper, look in the distance more, shift your gaze, have a more relaxed mind, the Bates method, the art of seeing, as Aldous Huxley called it. There's all these things which seem to have some evidence behind them. And it'd be great if we can look into that more and have a scientific culture which is very savvy and aware of the risks of monetary financial interests getting in the way of the truth. Um, but yeah, back to the point before. Um, so, well, okay, what were we saying? Uh, saying opponent processes, yeah, and so the government, like I think f having some accountability there would be great where we could vote in bureaucrats perhaps, et cetera, or vote them out at least if they're not doing a good job. Um, or at least have a transparency thing where people can see and, you know, have some accountability because they can see, oh, you know, I'm rated like 90% satisfaction by the, and I've got 2,000 votes. Um, you've got 
1,000 votes, um, but you've got 20% satisfaction. Oh, that's kind of, that's not so good, hey. You know, like even among colleagues, they'd be aware of that. That would be a tiny way just to try to get some accountability. Um, but yeah, I'd say basically more limited government. Government's way too um, in our, up in our grills um, and it's really expensive and I think it's a dead weight on, it doesn't produce anything, you know. They might think they're stimulating growth, but actually um, the, even their theories about economics are wrong, it seems. Like they've got these uh, Keynesianism, which just seems to be been proved wrong again and again and again. Maybe it's got some truth to it, I don't know. But as far as I can tell, Austrian economics seems to be much closer to the point. And then I've heard some people say, like Roy Sebag, I think the guy from Gold Money, um, he had this podcast with Jordan Peterson, the, the Natural Order of Money. And he's talking about certain things where Austrian economics might be wrong. I think he was talking about inherent value, I think, which is very interesting. Um, so I don't know, but basically government seems both in theory and in practice just to kind of not really know what's going on um, and um, to be very wasteful. So, but then again, we can't go too far. I think, you know, pregnant, you know, woman needs support because she's single. Okay, let's give her some support. Or, you know, someone's unemployed. Should we just let them, let the community take care of them? Well, maybe at the moment our com communities are, are so messed up from all this historical trauma and, you know, coming from the government largely that maybe that's not possible yet. Um, the churches and the community organizations aren't able to support everyone anymore. Or maybe the churches would support them, but they might want, you know, to have their back scratched and have some sort of cultish shenanigans going on. Um, so I'd say, okay, let's keep, you know, supporting people who need help for now, but let's just be aware, you know, like the kind of thing like, oh, if you, you can get this um, amount of, you know, unemployment benefit, but then, and you can work this much and you still get this much benefit. But if you start working more, then you are going to cut down on your unemployment benefit. What that essentially does is it's like, well, I can work 10 extra hours a week and I get no extra money because the government's going to be scaling down my payments. So wait, why would I do that then? Especially when a lot of the jobs, you know, are like menial due to distortions, I would say, in largely due to distortions caused by the government in the economy. <clears throat> there's this kind of um, behemoth, big corporate behemoths running the show and there's not as many smaller businesses. And, um, and maybe it's also just cultural and technological, but like, where you know people would have a, a creative, meaningful engagement with work it seems like less common. Like people aren't growing food and make. It would be great to see more like carpentry and masonry and um, kind of basic skills, like you know electricians or even and all that kind of stuff too. But kind of people um, being able to just do things with their hands and trades being encouraged more, rather than just oh everyone go to university. So well, some people that's useful, but I think um, it takes all kinds to make a world, and there's. It's incredibly noble work to be building things and fixing things and it's very difficult as well it just takes a different um kind of application and perhaps it's less requiring on the iq front than some other things to some extent but in some you know very complicated a lot of it as well but um but it doesn't matter like that doesn't mean it's not as important um iq is not the only important thing like your heart's much more important and how funny are you you know or um how strong are you or how disciplined are you or how adaptable are you um, or whatever. There's all kinds of ways to be excellent. But um, but so we're talking about um, skills there um, and uh, the government. Yeah, so some sort of basic um, kind of socialist system would be acceptable, I think. But I think it does seem like the libertarian side is more efficient um, and actually would be 
better for everyone. It f- seems like if we lower taxes by twenty, um, by eighty percent, especially on the working and middle classes, but even for everyone potentially, but we could start with working middle classes, lower taxes by eighty percent. You know, so your taxes are now a fifth of what they were. Um, and just simplify it like one tax and here's how you pay it. And no, we don't take it out of your paycheck. We have to go and get it after, you know, because it's your money, you know, respecting people properly. Um, and then, so, you know, taxes um, uh, make lower taxes by 80%, lower regulation by 80%. All these things like, oh yeah, you want to have a farm? Okay, you need to check the sheep for 112 different species of things. You have to do all these tests and send it off here and here. It's like, why don't we just let them do it and let the market sort it out? Um, if you want to help, you can make it really transparent what's going on. Go, all right, we're going to have inspectors, and they just, they just show people what you're doing. They take videos of your operations. They tell them what kind of chemicals you're putting in the soil. You can do whatever you want, but the customers will be able to go to the government website, click on farms, and see what's being done. Things like that. It's, it's um, respecting. It's not compulsive, um, or it's not... Um, um, mandating anything um, it's not using compulsion um, it's uh, more transparent and you know, respectful so I think like that and then that massively reduces costs and allows people to grow food which would be very useful for us um, so yeah alright so I'd say yeah but then corruption in government and also another thing is when government is limit, limited it's less it's barely involved in the economy then um, big economic players, they have no incentive to buy the influence of the government. Here, whining and dining people um, or giving them gifts or bribing them or threatening them or killing them or you know, trying to control these people. The, if the people don't have the authority to do anything in the economy, they're very little, you know, they're absolute minimum you know, input, then these big players, they just have to, if they want to dominate... Um, they can try and be a mafia and just dominate businesses directly, but then the government, if it's doing its job, and which hopefully it will be, will go and prosecute them and get them in trouble. And you know they won't be able to do that. And I think it's easier to do that these days. Put it on the internet. Who's acting like a mafia? <laughs> you know, put them on up there, and you know the government can help with that. Again, just shining a light using the resources we give them to shine a light on what's going on and increase awareness and education. And you know, if a business is doing something bad. Word of mouth will already turn people away from them, but and the government can, or even we, just the citizens, but the government could help with that by just making it really easy to see, okay, have a government website, which is a search engine, and you can look by categories of businesses, see what their ratings are from what people have rated them, and um, how many allegations there are of this and that, and you can see counter allegations. No, no, that's not true. That's my competitors trying to make me look bad, or, you know, but you can just see it, have it all out there, you know? Um, and so in that, if the government's, properly being vigilant and not letting people be gangsters and threaten other businesses. And they're also not in the business of interfering in the economy um, um, or at a very limited extent, like, you know, supporting some people to some extent. If disabilities, okay, you get some money from the government. Maybe you've got no relatives, no community. Okay, well, here's, that's fine. We have enough money for that. But um, but just being aware, like, there's all this insane waste, which is really dangerous because we could destabilize our whole good thing we've got going here if we go too top-heavy into free stuff for everyone and just inflating the money supply, which is caused by the government slash the cartel of private banks who maybe secretly um, 
and mafiosis running these go the governments of the world. Um, uh, shout out to the intergalactic banking cartel. Um, <clears throat> uh, then, you know, g getting governments, if they're not involved in the economy um, and they're pr prosecuting people who try to break the law and, you know, basically threaten people or, you know, bully them, then the only way big companies can remain big and dominant is if they're actually giving the people the best value. If they're selling goods at a low price, um, uh, you know, the lowest price possible and the highest quality possible. And, you know, there's different niches. You could have more uh, really high quality, but as, as cheap as you can for a high quality or as cheap as you can and, you know, the best quality within that's possible while having it dirt cheap or something in the middle, you know. Um, and you have all these different companies trying out different things. And if a business is trying to exploit the customers and kind of keep a lot of the fat for themselves, you know, other competitors are going to go, well, I can just not do that and I can have a more modest profit and I, my business can get some space here and I don't need to be an employee in anymore. I've been working here 20 years. I know exactly how this thing works. I think I can do this. Me and five buddies from the company, we're going to go start our own analog of this. And you just have this, you know, decentralized system where that the market, you know, it's nothing mysterious. It's just decentralized, natural, organic systems. Is it like, you know, oh, the invisible hand of fungi? You think just fungi can just grow and, you know, colonize a tree trunk without government intervention? You're insane. It's just a decentralized natural process. It's just how things work. And it happens in humans too. And we call it the market. You know? um, problem solving. I want to solve a problem so that I can get resources. Because if I can solve your problem, you will be insisting, please take my money. You solving my problem with a product or a service... That's more valuable to me than this random chunk of money I have. I have plenty more money just like this, but I don't have any of that thing. Please help solve my problem. Take this chunk of my money. You know, um, Mutually beneficial voluntary trades, interactions. Um, mutually voluntary, mutually beneficial um, exchanges. And you have networks of decentralized networks of those, and that's how we solve our problems. That is far more like orders of magnitude, um, more powerful in terms of computing problems we're dealing with than any centralized bureaucrat can which is the whole reason even though it was kind of quite oligarchic the west was able to outcompete the soviet union largely because of um um just being more efficient like central planning can do certain you know if people are really trying they can do their best but like it's never going to be as effective at figuring out how to run things and um problem solve than a decentralized system of price signals and information flow via competitive um uh, free, free market so um they if big companies want to stay big they have to be giving the best value and then there's no problem oh great you're huge but we love you you you, you treat people well um you treat your customers well you um you treat your workers well you, you pay them um as much as you can um and there's a you know there's a balance but you're balancing lowest possible Price for the goods, highest possible quality for the goods, highest possible wages to your employees, um, you know, uh, you know, highest possible authenticity in your advertising, whatever. All the things that will make people likely to give you their money. You're trying to maximize all of them. And if you've got a bad reputation in any of these things, then it's going to open up at the door for com competition. Um, so I think naturally, um, as far as I understand it, I think monopolies only exist because of governments. I don't think, with maybe rare exceptions, um, so I think that would naturally balance itself out. 
if it turns out that it doesn't, then okay, maybe you need some, you know, like um, government intervention to break them up. But I, I don't think that is the case. I think it seems that um, naturally it's actually government getting in the way, which holds up monopolies. Um, but, uh, or yeah, or maybe worst case scenario, government should, could kind of give some competitors a leg up. Hey, we're going to give you, we're going to get, we're not going to break you up, but we're going to give $10 million to each of your top five competitors, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so more limited government, I think, and just getting corruption out of there. Right. And so what I was saying is if, um, yeah, they're forced to, instead of trying to corrupt the government, they're forced to just engage in actual, um, decent uh, solving people's problems. Um, and then actually that's going to make them happier. They might think they'd be happier if they were these oligarchical kings, but actually, you know, no, you're, you're helping people. You're feeling more connected. Um, your soul will be happier. Your mind might think that it'll be happier with the throne, but um, I think, no, the real throne is um, in being useful to people and being noble um, and, yeah, the nobility, you know. What does noble mean, you know? Chew on that, huh? Um, so, all right, um, what else? I think, yeah, um, you know, getting off planet or, you know, going to space, yeah, sure, let's go explore. And that could be also good as a insurance policy if some meteor comes and whacks the earth and resets the clock like it seems to have done over and over and over again. Last time, significant time, was 12,800 years ago or so. Um, the Younger Dryas impact hypothesis kind of talks about this. And Graham Hancock's works talked about it a lot. Um, and his Netflix um, series, uh, Ancient Apocalypse, kind of puts this all together very nicely. Um, uh, and uh, incredible series done very well. Um, very beautiful to watch as well. But um, so I think that's another thing we do need to be preparing, you know, definitely heavily investing in um, technology to deflect comets, you know, put send something to smash into it that deflects its trajectory away from Earth. We put something on it which, you know, and then have like a rocket attached to the thing once it's on there and it pushes it. I don't know how that they're doing. I think they've got some ideas for how to do this. But um, um, but yeah, so investing in that because these things, we cross the Torrid meteor stream twice a year, um, including around Halloween, which is all like the shooting stars, you know, um, we're passing through the Torrid meteor stream. And it's been likened to crossing a highway blindfolded um, and just not getting hit. Ah, I do this twice a year. It's like a ritual. Me and my family just walk across the highway blindfolded. Everything's fine. Um, sometimes we hear cool noises. Yeah, that would be the equivalent of seeing these shooting stars. Um, whereas the ancient people would like shit their pants basically when they saw like comets. Like, oh, it's gonna, it's happening. Um, this is what we were warned about. This totally destroyed our ancestors' civilization. Um, but yeah, so... And also solar, like preparing for uh, some huge EMP, right? Yeah, electromagnetic pulse, like a solar flare from the sun, if I'm understanding it right. If if there's um, the solar winds or whatever, if they're like, I think that's the same thing. If it's um, really huge, um, mass coronal mass injection, ejection, I think, injection, um, corona injection, um, then um, uh, it like would like just melt the electrical grid and just fry us and then so much information would be lost which has been digitized and is no longer in paper form but also so many communication systems like built from the ground up like we wouldn't we might not even know how to set everything up 
or without electricity, you know, or the generators that we would have to re reboot things. I don't think it would be enough to like reset the system very quickly, and that could then cause civil unrest and gangs to take over areas, and you know, governments to collapse, and warfare and civil war, and all kinds of madness that we don't need at all. Um, so, think that would, I hopefully someone's prepared for that, and um, we maybe we just don't know about it. But I think that's definitely we need to prepare like for self defense, like celestial self defense, basically for the planet. But then also going off planet, you know, going to colonize around if we can um again doing it respectfully in a beautiful way we're in we're in harmony with nature then why not spread around you know and help boost you know bring greenhouses and gardens to mars you know why not that sounds awesome um you know i'm sure mars will be happy to have a bit of life there um a bit more life and um so but so that's all good um uh, and as an insurance policy where you know if we could have colonies elsewhere then it takes some of the, the risk of, you know, the beauty of our higher consciousness where we're the eyes and ears of nature. Um, I don't feel we're separate from nature. Like in one level, on one level we are, but on another level we're, we're not separate. And they're both true simultaneously, but it's more true to say that we're one with nature because that's the deeper, more enduring reality. Um, and we're branches on the tree. What's more real, the, the branch or the tree? Well, the branch can fall off and the tree's still there. But if the tree falls over, the branch... Is now a stick, <laughs> so okay. The tree is more real. It's more ultimate, right? So that's I'd say simple argument for why I'd say we're one with nature, and that us getting to Mars would be a good thing. It'd be lovely, and um, but then and you know or just in general maintaining um, civilization and potentially you know the civilization all over the place, and we're just not aware like throughout the galaxy or you know alien races that we're just not aware of. And maybe they're like, you know, us flying over the Amazon and, and there's these hunter-gatherers looking up like, what the hell is that? UFO! That's oh, just, you know, um, some Reuters journalist in a helicopter. Um, but uh, so maybe that, that kind of thing's going on anyway. But um, but yeah, so, but I think, you know, as someone said like, you know, fix, I think someone said, surely, I'm about to say it now anyway, but um, like to, you know, we should take care of Earth before, you know, going to some other planet, like sort out home. Charity starts at home, you know, and try to sort out, you know, Earth before we, you know, kind of go trying to colonize all these other places. And there's some truth to that too. Like, yes, what good is it having shiny, shiny colony on Mars if Earth is just a bunch of slums? So we want to be taking care of both of these things um, simultaneously if we can, but Earth is the primary thing. But, you know, maybe you can do both and, okay, we're fixing up the Earth, but also at the same time we can go, and work on expanding to around and maybe having that insurance policy and maybe that's a good idea. Um, what else would be beautiful? The world I would love to be. Um, I think just people more, yeah, t like relationships, like people being more authentic with others and not needing to project roles, being comfortable in our own skin and just able to just be who we are. And um, if people don't like it, then okay, Cool. I'm glad you don't like it because that's who you are. I'm glad you are who you are. Um, and then I'm glad that um, I have the freedom to just not hang around you, <laughs> given that apparently you don't like me. Okay. You know, um, or maybe it's just a uh, part of me which isn't deep to my nature. It's just, okay, um, oh, I express this kind of, I'm going through a phase or I express this kind of... Um, tendency in some moment and you criticize me for it you don't like it 
maybe I have the choice then to drop that and go, actually, no, you're right. That doesn't feel in resonance with my soul. I was just trying that out. I'm going to let that go. And yeah, no, um, you're right. I was too aggressive. Or you're right. I was too much of a pussy, right? Um, and uh, so, you know, but authenticity, I think, in relationships, um, which seems to be a cure for a lot of problems, anxiety, depression, it's just letting things flow, being more open. So I think a world where, now let's see, okay. So social re relationships, um, just being more open and healthy and honest and just satisfying. People being free to be themselves and, you know, friends. And I think if people are paying lower taxes, if people have, if, the, if it's not like, yeah, the government runs this place and, you know, they're basically kings, but we have to pretend they're not the kings. At least when you were in a tyranny, we knew and everyone knew they were the tyrant. And you can say, yeah, kings are psychopath, hey? But good that we all know that. So, like, no, 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 the king's not a psych. Every, everything's fine. <clears throat> you know, twitch, twitch. That's even worse, right? Um, it, you can't even admit that you're enslaved. And to a large extent, the idea of wage slavery is fairly accurate. There's a lot of um, huge politically connected institutions that seem to intentionally want to maintain an elite um, and keep the masses, maybe for psychological reasons, us against them, have their, a bigger sense of, stronger sense of self-identity rather than saying like, oh yeah, you know, how can you be the elite if everyone's the elite, you know? Um, the truth is you can be elite in consciousness if you're wiser than everyone or if you're more competent. Um, and that's a, a healthy elite because then that's good for the others who you're better than and they will try to be like you and you'll help them grow. Um, but... Um, when you try to hold people down then that's no real elite you're actually the very bottom of the ladder and you just you've got it all upside down you think you're the top um but yeah shitting on everyone but that just means you're in the sewer um and uh so but you know there is does seem to be this elite around the world like um uh increasingly centralized if you look at the davos and the wef wef stuff and you know all this um you know it, it does seem like there's a good I think I don't know how connected everything is, but it seems like a lot of people are afraid to be like, well, it kind of seems like there's this planetary mafia kind of running things. Maybe they don't control everything, but it seems pretty coordinated on some of these things. The coronavirus stuff is incredibly organized and coordinated all around the world, even saying the same things, reading off the same scripts. And then you look at like, oh, the, the um, networks of, you know, kind of money involved in around the world. There's a lot of connections there a lot of interlocking power grids or like power structures. And then culturally, you know, is it possible? Like what's going on in these secret societies? Is it possible there's a kind of cultural centralization going on and who knows how long that, that's been going on? And so, you know, I'm kind of always careful to try to find the middle way and not be, you know, um, hysterical or like not to go too far. Also, if you want people to kind of take you seriously and think about what you're saying, you don't want to seem like a crazy person. So sometimes it's hard where you might be like, oh, do I want to really be honest about that? But I think kind of like maybe we should start, like if we want to have this beautiful future, we should all we should love and respect all people. But I think it might be a good idea for like serious free-thinking people to start going, okay, it sure looks like there's some evidence for a kind of like some in the shadows kind of global mafia kind of thing that's not been labeled except people call it, you know, the Illuminati or something or, you know, um, the, the cult or whatever, you know, the elite, the reptilians, some people think they're like aliens or something. Um, but whoever these people are, um, and if they are there even, like imagine they're not there. Then what's the harm of presuming they are there 
why we try to decentralize power a bit and kind of get our sovereignty back and create a more balanced decentralized system, which I think will be good for everyone, including them, everyone, all elites, you know, um, then there'll be a greater, you know, more prosperous economy. It's easier. There's more opportunities to make money, um, more opportunities to do things, more advancement, more innovation, more creativity, more health, more harmony, um, you know, and you can be the elite by being the wisest or the most prolific or the most disciplined or the, the kindest or the most funny or the most productive, um, whatever, you know, the most intelligent. There's all kinds of things to do. Um, but so, but what's the harm? Say there is no such, you know, hidden cabal running the planet trying to, and we, but we presume there is intelligent, you know, um, responsibility minded people who are trying to bring about a better world um, for our children and grandchildren. That's another thing I'd like to see people having a lot more children and grandchildren. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, maybe grandchildren, you can't, you know, you need, it's up to your children. But, uh, um, but like, like the harm of what, say there is no cabal. If we just presume there is one and we kind of take that really seriously, that's going to motivate us to be very careful and making sure everything is balanced and fair. Right. But if they're not there, what, well, you know, still innocent until proven guilty. If you find someone and you think they're breaking the law, you need to prove it. Um, but so, okay. It doesn't seem like there's really any downside um, apart from maybe fairly narrow minded people judging you and thinking, Oh, you, you believe there's a secret mafia running the planet. Like, well, all right. Well, you seem kind of narrow minded. So I don't really care if you don't like me, that's fine. Like I don't really, you disrespecting me kind of makes me not really respect you. I'm not disrespecting you, but you're kind of, you're, you're taking, I, I can't respect you if you, if you disrespect me when um, I don't feel that I deserve it, you know? So that just naturally takes care of itself. Um, don't need to listen to people if you know they're not um, being reasonable to your perspective. And your perspective is all you ever have. You need to go with your perspective. Try to make it as objective as possible, but always understand it's subjective and you must trust yourself. There's no alternative. If you go, oh, I trust other people more than me. Well, it's you choosing to trust them rather than other people. So at the end of the day, it's your subjectivity again. So just... You know, you may as well just go, f don't, you know, go halfway, you know, just get deep into it, your full subjectivity and just try to make yourself trustworthy, educate yourself, read and question things. And, you know, when you're wrong, change your mind and you know, associate yourself with people who are good at that as well and in interested in that, even if it's just digitally associating by listening to podcasts and that kind of thing, with that kind of, these kinds of points of view, these kinds of people. But, um, so it seems like there's no real downside to just presuming there's some sort of um, dark shadowy force trying to prevent the, uh, a world, a beautiful future and trying to bring in a future which they think is beautiful, seemingly, of like kind of top-down control, uh, uh, a dominating elite, technological, um, you know, saturation through society, some sort of Jetson, Star Wars, you know, Star Trek, maybe Star Trek, the Star Trek society. That's kind of like, seems what they're after, but not democracy, like a kind of faux, you know, democracy or a, um, yeah, basically a technocracy. Um, and like, well, if you can go to school, everyone can go to school. The, the smartest people go to the smart, the best colleges, the smartest of them get the best jobs. The people who are the best in the companies rise up and they can become the leaders, captains of industry, or they can move into politics. And then if they're the best politicians, they're going to rise to the top of that system. And if they make the smartest arguments, then the smartest people who are already rising to the top of industry will help to support them. And so 
excellence rises to the top. Yeah, in reality, that's not how it works. Like um, you have corruption and people who are very manipulative or very good at getting what they want, but they have very a dim vision and they selectively they have selective bias when they're thinking about information. They're ignoring the facts. They're insane. Actually, they're totally out of touch with reality. They're unable to exit their mind and just be in the present moment and access pure consciousness. They don't even know what that means. So they're not even properly awake. Um, or maybe they can do that, but it's so they use it subservient to, I don't know, maybe they can do this, um, some sort of yeah idea of this bloated sense of self of I'm better than other people and I'm going to help them by doing all these things. But beneath, beneath the surface, unconsciously, they're actually trying to just, it's all about self-aggrandizement. Um, and domination and fear and control and trying to fill in that dark hole within of more, more, more um, and deceit and manipulation. And um, it's that. So, and throughout history, you look at when the centralization of power, there's so much suffering and ca catastrophes um, and just destruction of culture and tradition and um, physical landscapes and, you know, cities and. Um, Whereas decentralization seems to bring about the best results of the greatest prosperity, greatest peace, greatest expansion and deepening of perception in the public and in the individual. So anyway, if we presume this sort of some sort of dark, you know, elite is trying to run things in a bad direction, which they think is good, but objectively speaking, is pretty, pretty dodgy. Um, then, so long as we're aware that that's not necessarily true. And because then that could be, you know, you're basically going down to um, an ideology or brainwashing yourself maybe, or you could lose touch with reality. But so long as you're aware, like, okay, I'm not sure if they're there, but I'm just going to act as if they're there. I'm going to presume they're there. They could, they could be, I could be wrong, but I think they're probably there, right? What's the harm in that? I don't see any harm. Do you? But let me know in the comments. I really, I really want to know, actually. If there is a harm, please let me know. Um, on the other hand, if we go, no, well, I don't have enough evidence yet. There's the lockdown, there's all these wars, and it kind of seems like there's child trafficking all around the world, all these kinds of dodgy things and, like, you know, centralization of power. And um, it does, but I don't have enough evidence yet. Okay, I'm going to assume there's no such cabal. How does that benefit you? I don't see a benefit. Seems like, look, if you're because probably you're not going to be as motivated to go, you know, try to really ensure freedom is protected. Um, and also you're probably going to be on the back foot there because you, you're going to be afraid of people accusing you of being a conspiracy theorist. Whereas if you can just say, well, look, hey, I don't know, but I think probably it seems, don't you think it kind of seems fairly likely? I think more likely than not right now, but, um, but definitely who knows? It, it might not be there at all. Yeah. But I don't, I think being presuming that it's possible is very healthy um, and being complacent and thinking, oh, no, everything's fine. That's kind of, there's a cognitive dissonance in that as well, which can screw you over, I think. Um, so, you know, because you're not being honest, like, yeah, well, actually, I, it kind of does feel like there is that, isn't there? So I think there's some sort of middle way, again, of being like, yeah, it seems, even if you don't say probably, even if you just say, yeah, there's a big possibility that there's a, a, a hidden mafia running the planet, that's pretty revolutionary. If public figures were saying that, uh, yeah, going to have to get some Navy SEALs for protection. No. Um, but I think if um, you can say that and just, you know, if, if you're a, a leader and you're not willing to kind of say what's true, 
because you're afraid for your safety. Unfortunately, it's kind of intense, but I think that's probably not very reasonable or sane. I think it's good to keep a good vibe and reiterate balancing things like, hey, all these people, if they're out there, if these people are running things and you know, potentially going to be trying to thwart plans for a beautiful future which uplifts all beings rather than just a small elite um, and which is based on consent rather than domination and force, um, if they are out there, then to say, hey, you're our brothers and sisters, you know, um, even if they were like reptilians or something, right, they would still be brothers and sisters or siblings at least. Um, I think they're male and female, right? Uh, in um, in that they're like beings, they're consciousness, they're the universe, you know. Um, do I think those things exist? I actually have no idea, you know. Uh, some people, like uh, David uh, Icke, he actually makes a lot of sense if you listen to him. Say like, you know, he seems very lucid. Um, and he says that, that they exist. And um, in Africa, you know, the head, um, what do you call it, uh, shaman and storyteller of the Zulu nation and historian, um Credo Motwe, Matwe or something, um, he t said, he talked about this, and you know, David Icke went and interviewed him like ages ago, and I think that was part of the whole, his journey there. So I don't know. I think it's possible, <laughs> these aliens running things. Um, but I, I really, you know, if it was like, oh, no, that's not true at all, I'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, that makes sense. It sounded pretty weird, really, lizard people running things. But honestly, I think if you're interested in the truth, you're going to have to be ready for weird you know, and I have no idea. I'm ready for weird. I don't know what is going on at all. It could be just late, uh, incompetent humans trying their best, or it could be corrupt humans trying, you know, trying their best. It could be lizard people trying their best. Um, it could be actually competent, wise people, and there's things that I don't understand, and all these process. Maybe they're putting the earth under all this strain in order to boost our spiritual growth, and maybe this is like some movie, and it needs to be done like this. That's possible for sure, but I still think even if that's the case, it could. Given that it could just be some mafias just running things into the ground, like a parasite, and then leaving it the husk in its wake, I think we better just presume, you know, that like um, there's a threat here, and we, we better take control. But also, all love to all beings. You know, you can have both. You can be like, all right, yeah, we need to kind of take action here and just stop being like children and kind of say, hey, I'm an adult, I'm a sovereign individual, and you don't own me. You're not my father. You're not my, um, uh, you know, well, one person's my father, maybe two people, um, if you include God. Uh, but um, to say, you know, like, no, you know, no, no human being is above another. No adult human being is above any other adult human being. How about that? Does that feel right to you? Maybe it feels right to your heart, but not to your head. Maybe that means you've been brainwashed. Um, maybe we need to start reclaiming our minds and then reclaiming our streets and our planet, but not through violence, but through force of wisdom, just awareness, um, which is a force. And it's a, the kindest of forces. It's, um, you know, it, it helps that which it moves. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think you can have both. And, you know, so respect and love even for, psychopaths or people who are doing terrible things because like well look we're all branches on the same tree this is all part of the story um but yeah at the same time being real and being like yeah who shot jfk and after 70 years why when they were you know released the documents was like everything redacted this is now if ever you would think everyone who had something to hide would be dead but why is that being redacted now 
okay, either the government is just being cowardly and being like, yeah, this is going to look, look bad for us because maybe we're still engaged in a lot of shady business. Um, or else it's like, well, actually, yeah, um, it's just, you know, really bad and it's going to expose certain things um, like that. Uh, so not just that we're engaged in some other shady business, but that basically the same institutions um, uh, are still up to the same thing and that those the people, the bad guys were never caught for it. Um, so burning the evidence, basically. Um, and, you know, uh, JFK thing, if you've never looked into it, the idea that that was one person makes no sense at all. Like, uh, the you know, seems probably central bank C or CIA. I don't know, but that just seems, as far as I, again, this is just what I think. I don't know. As far as I can tell, it seems like some sort of combination of mafia, um, CIA, and um, the central bank because... Um, JFK was trying to basically take away power from these people who had started to usurp the power in the wake of World War II. Um, and then they didn't like that. So, um, but anyway, so a world, so that's a, a little bit there about, um, okay, the dark side or whatever. And, you know, but let's see, a sip of water and then we'll go into it, just a general view of like, I don't know, um, beautiful world like when i think of the world i look at the image say for this podcast um the uh the planet and just thinking of the planet you know the blue and green in space you know what do we want for the future of this planet so more music more creativity more just self-expression doing letting like you know may people be and do and see and feel whatever they want. And within that, that's not just impulsivity and just as Jordan Peterson has pointed out and uh, he had a good recent podcast, uh, who was that with? I think um, perhaps that was with that um, Vivek Ramaswamy guy. Looks like a, he would be a good president for the USA probably. He's running for presidency. <clears throat> um, but I think that's the podcast where they're talking about how you know, it's not just about impulsivity and just doing whatever you want. And that's that's great in balance. Spontaneity, I would say, is good, but um, you know, uh, sometimes. But um, impulsivity—it's not just do whatever you want. It's kind of you have that's like slave being enslaved to your whims and just whatever you know desires popping through your system for some reason, flowing through your system. Um, but like, kind of having. Um, being nested in these systems of, you know, um, uh, yourself and your, your romantic partner and a family and a friend circle and a you know, neighborhood and a, a community and a town and a state and a country and a planet and just being part nested in the where there's harmony within the levels of that these systems and where your your self expression and your authenticity and your your freedom are nourished and flow, but in, a, in such a way that it's in balance with the freedom and the authenticity um, and the well-being uh, of all other um, members of the planet, um, and that we could add nature to this, being in balance with nature. So I think um, just for people to just to be able to express and experience ourselves in balance with each other, I think that would that's really... You know, and then you can take that in whatever direction you want. Your direction will be different to mine, um, but that's what it's all about. You know, 
you know that Oscar Wilde quote, like, um, be yourself, everyone else is taken, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, so be, you know, let's be ourselves. Um, which I think was the first e podcast episode, actually. Oh no, starting something new. Second one. Anyway, um, so that would be primary. And I, I mean, yeah, like spiritually realized pe people, the core of that really is, you know, if you take that deep, it, it ends up being realizing that we are one with life you know, and that then you kind of wake up to this higher reality of like, oh my God, like everything's amazing. I'm like the universe living itself from this particular angle, but the soul is immortal. Like if I am the universe, I'm not in the universe, then what could death be except the ending of a, an illusion? And it's just, you know, I don't know how it works, but like we must be eternal, our souls, you know? And then, okay, I can live this experience, but then I don't know what's going to happen next. And maybe I might be a little bit, oh my God, this is going to be big. But like um, we can kind of let go of some of that fear and just play and just enjoy this life and bring about a beautiful garden here. Um, and so, yeah. So I'd like humans and then to bring back the best of tradition and uh, culture, like the, the 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 ways of the past, right? So, you know, the best parts of religion. So don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Like, okay, there's a lot of good stuff in Christianity or in Buddhism or, you know, whatever. Um, or in traditional ideas of like, oh, yeah, you know, family uh, um, should, you know, be a man and a woman having children. Like, that's like, oh, my God, how could you say that? But what about these people who are different? It's like, well... Well, actually, what's what's so bad about that? Like saying, you know, not like that's the only way, but that as a basic thing in general, that's what we should have because we need more people in the future for society. And if there's not enough people, then things are going to end, and that's pretty terrifying. Um, and also, before it ended, things would degenerate into chaos and barbarism. So we need to kind of keep things balanced. So, And most people are heterosexual anyway, and most people want children. So why don't we just say, yeah, that... If you're gay or if you're um, and, and you want children and then, you know, you maybe you can adopt some children. There's a lot of children who need parents. There's a lot of orphans. So great. That's beautiful. Do it, um, you know, and just be good parents, whatever. Um, uh, and, you know, maybe have some women around, say maybe one's more, more usually one partner's more feminine and, and one's more masculine, whether it's lesbians or gays or, you know, uh, heterosexuals. Um but but um but you might just say like, okay you need some extra feminine energy okay maybe that gay couple like have a female friend who's auntie susan or whatever you know or um you know lesbian couple like oh this is uncle jack you know and whatever there's ways to bring in these energies but to be saying you know that like i think a lot of people feel a bit uncomfortable um i would <laughs> i think but then i just push through anyway of thinking and saying like that well actually no yeah the ideal is yeah heterosexual um families where you're having children like because that's how that's how we're here <laughs> you know that's how society continues and flourishes and there's all these beautiful things and then that allows if there's heterosexual people having children and having babies then a hundred years from now there will still be gay and lesbian people being born because there will be families you know people having babies um and so then they can go have their experience. And if that's the way they're born and they, that's their experience and they can be a respectful, beautiful, soulful being, then awesome, do it. But I think, um, so that's one example of the balance between tradition and um, uh, liberalism or being liberal and open-minded 
it needs to be respected that tradition is incredibly important and it, there seems to be a, a hating of tradition that's cro cropped up like some nasty sweet talking dragon uh, out of nowhere like in the west recent in recent years um, where it's like oh marriage is stupid and it's like well it's a prison you know like well actually you know um, it's kind of a, a way of helping people cross a psychic barrier into commitment and being like okay one per one's enough you're enough for me I'm a I'm enough for you? Wow, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, let's grow together and let's help each other and let's dance. Um, and so, and then um, say children, you know, and being like, oh, children are a burden. It's like, well, if you think children are just a burden, yeah, I mean, that's your opinion, but my opinion would be like, that's kind of immature. Like, don't you, you're a child, you're, so you're a burden, are you? Like, is that all you are or is that a stage? And maybe, you know, what about like, you know, I buy you a drink and then you don't buy me a drink. Hmm. Okay. That's the kind of person you are. I see. All right. That's fine. You don't have to buy me a drink. Like I wouldn't force you to. That's not the whole, but it's the whole thing is like, oh, what kind of, oh, it's like a communication. Like, oh, I see. Okay. That person never buys people drinks, but people buy them a drink, but they would never buy them. Okay. I'm not going to rely on you in the apocalypse and you're not coming to my wedding. And you know, there's like certain things where, um, just reciprocity and it naturally sorts itself out. So I think, um, uh, what are we saying here? Um, in terms of people who, yeah, don't have children, it's like, okay, that's fine. You know, that's your opinion, but I have my opinion. And just to be honest, I think that's not really healthy that, no, I think some people, if they don't want children, that's fine. But, but if you think like, if you're like anti-children, like oh, kids are just stupid and they're a burden, it's like that's going a step too far and it's like okay you're just kind of showing your ignorance because um like if you're not willing to say oh no for other people it's fine but for me it would feel like a burden you know i don't i'm not into it then okay then, then that fair enough that's your choice um but if you're saying in general <laughs> people are idiots why are they having kids then it's like oh you just don't understand and you're just showing your ignorance um and actually it's like the giving and the supporting of others that's going to bring you up up you if you can support that your muscles are going to get bigger, aren't they? You know, and so it's a way of growing. And through life, you know, we have um, hormetic stress. You know, things where it's a bit stressful, but like exercise, for example. But it, it's just enough that it helps you grow. Um, and so, um, right, okay, probably time to go. Um, so uh, these things. Um, can help us develop and um, and it's love anyway you know so I think oh yeah the populations uh, in 30 years apparently um, the population another great Jordan Peterson I've been binging a bunch of Jordan Peterson podcast episodes recently he's had so many good guests on he's getting really good like he's always been really good but um, uh, very good at just you know, having some great conversations that, um, which really give me things to think about and then things to look into and question and you know learn about um, so he's there's a guy, the, the epidemic that ha, um, that dare not speak its name, I think was it called, the episode, talking about um, involuntary childlessness um, and how there's huge numbers of people, I think uh, something crazy like uh, um, huge numbers of people who want children are not having children these days um, um, because a few reasons, but maybe women putting it off to work and stuff and then struggling to find a good partner and then it being too late to have children. Um, or people just who, you know, they couldn't find a partner or it just didn't work out. And um, so it's not people who didn't want children. It's people who wanted them, but for some for one reason or another, they couldn't. That number is exploding all around the world. 
And so there's actually, because people are living longer, it's not being, it's not showing up yet, but there's a seemingly an impending population plunge. And that's very dangerous. Like um, places like Detroit, where population suddenly dropped, people left because of crime and things and the auto industry leaving. That caused a, a downward spiral of cascading problems where there's crime and the government can't provide for services. A few people living in the neighborhood, so there's not enough money for, you know, maintaining public transport and then you can't work there and it gets worse. So you need a balance of population um, and um, people worried about the population exploding around the planet. In Nigeria in 100 years, apparently there's going to be more people than in China. And India, I think a few months ago, just surpassed China in terms of population. And China is apparently expected to be dropping in population over time from now on. Um, and But all around the world, we're facing this problem where um, the population is shrinking um, or going to be starting to shrink. Um, and so actually the whole idea that with this virus, you know, going to like consume the whole planet. For one thing, when people get richer, they start having fewer babies, so that balances out. But um, in any case, uh, there's these problems of, you know, like as increasing education, women put off having birth. Some people, one thing, from, interesting thing from that episode was suggesting that perhaps um, uh, we, different norms might develop in the future of like, oh, maybe women have children. And then as women tend to live longer than men, they enter the work for, you know, pursue their career more once the children are there, that there might be a different pattern that's, especially as we're living longer, that that might be, you know, a kind of logical thing that people would be interested in. Again, voluntary, if women want to do that. Um, but that, um, so it was kind of heartbreaking and, and disturbing um, and worrying um, that like there's, there's this crisis coming up. Um, and so I think a lot of people, if you want children, don't feel bad about it. Oh, but the planet, the planet like is fine, and um, either, yeah, and you know, your society needs more children actually. Um, and immigration isn't enough because what about what they're coming from somewhere else? What about that society? And also, um, off there's a lot of problems involved in that where there's these um, not just brain drain but community drain. As this person was saying in this interview, where there's these communities where all the kids are left, and it's there's a kind of certain hollowness left there, and a certain sadness because these people, so many people are leaving, you know, and. Um, what do the families do then? And who, you know, um, so, but, and yeah, with the planet, CO2, I didn't just mention earlier, like apparently carbon dioxide increases, they actually follow temperature changes. So the temperature goes up in the, you know, Al Gore, like, look, it's connected. CO2 going up, temperature going up, case closed. But actually, apparently he wasn't showing you the proper graph. And if you zoom in on it, as Randall Carlson has done, you can see on YouTube and things um, showing countless amounts of evidence seemingly as far as i can tell seemingly it's legitimate showing that oh among other things um uh that but one particular thing about co2 that apart from that is plant food and they put co2 in greenhouses to for plants um uh that um to make them grow faster that indeed uh co2 goes up and then like 100 years later there's a lag then temperature goes up a bit or if co2 goes down uh, sorry the other way temperature goes up and a bit while later CO2 follows it up and then um, temperature goes down and then CO2 follows it down. So that's not, that's not causing it, is it? That's a, the other way around. And seemingly it's connected to the oceans and the carbon cycle and things like this, which are beyond me for now. But anyway, um, so the planet, I have to go now. So what's in a nutshell, I imagine a beautiful planet, a balance between technology and nature, um, human beings respecting each other, government, which in, intervenes when it needs to, to pr pr protect us. And maybe in the future we would, have a more limited or um, anarchic kind of governance. Um, but for now, like a more limited um, government um, with more accountability to the people um, and 
just a world where people can respect nature and respect each other and flourish and play and kind of express our gratitude for creation. Amen. All right. Uh, enjoy life, my friends. See you next time.